0: Well, day, everybody and welcome back to the extras. My name is Sam and I'm Jack and welcome. It is good to have you here again this week as we dig in and uh, think hard about the great questions that have been coming in. Jack, huge, huge uh, day on Sunday. Thanks for your work in, in teaching God's Word to us. Um, we're doing John 15 again. Yeah. it's uh, we, we've got, We're got four times down. We've got one more to come. That's right, yep. Um, and we've been tackling it from a slightly different angle each week. Tell us, if we missed Sunday, um, what did we miss? What was the the heartbeat uh, of John 15 that we were, were sort of p- uh, pulsing into last Sunday?
1: Yeah, so we were moving towards the end of John 15, where mm-hmm. Jesus starts to talk about not just our... Uh, our relationship to him and our relationship with each other as disciples, but also our face to the world. Mm. And it's a pretty sobering word. Jesus says the world hates him, so the world's going to hate us as well. Yeah. So we're talking about the hostility of the world around us, yeah. and we talked about what our our role is in the world that uh, Jesus has given us this mission. We're called to take part in it, uh, mm. to testify, to to bear witness to the wonders of the gospel and, and share Jesus with people and, mm. and, and take the gospel out to the world. That's that's where we are. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, so thinking about love for the disconnected,
0: love for the, those beyond who are not yet part of the vine yeah. um, was our, our thing. Um, now, a bunch of questions have come in, um, thanks to those who, who've sent them in, and we're gonna we're gonna do our best uh, to to work our way through them. And um, you might like to have your Bible there, John fifteen open. There's a couple of you know questions in the text that we'll we'll try and look at together. And um, here we go. After it. So f- first one, um, uh, looking at verse sixteen, uh, which talks about bearing fruit. Um, and as he says, Jesus so says, go and bear fruit. And and the questions come in: Is that statement, go and bear fruit, is is that referring to just showing and telling the gospel to the world, um, sort of just Make sure you go and tell it, or is the fruit actually making disciples? Is it the, the thing, the, the input of um, preaching, uh, telling the gospel, or is it the output, the outcome of making a disciple? Which is it?
1: Yeah, great question. One of the challenges with John fifteen is the fruit language is very general, and I yeah, I think I've said this a couple of times. It's a it's a broad picture of you know God's good work that he's bringing forth in us as his disciples. Uh, and on this particular point, I think if you just had this verse, it'd be hard to to answer that conclusively. Mm-hmm. So I thought it'd be helpful for us to have a look at a few of the other places where God talks yes. about our mission. Yep. So one place you could go straight away is the end of Matthew 28 yes, and the Great Commission. Yeah. And there, Jesus is very happy to speak not just about inputs, as you asked, but outcomes. You know, uh, Matthew 28... Verse 19, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, mm. baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. But Jesus says, go and, and make disciples. Mm. So there at least you have it. It's not just, uh, you know, go and tell people that they should become disciples and see what happens. Like Jesus, you know, he, he yeah. gives you the the result that, that we are called to go yeah. and be a part of happening, I guess. I mean, part of the reason you'd ask this kind of question is uh, we, we feel the... The tension between, on the one hand, we are not God and we can't... At one level, we can't make disciples, right? Mm. I mean, if it was just me on my own mm. and God had nothing to do with the process and I just went out, you know, I'm I'm not the saviour of the world. I'm yes. not someone who can change people's hearts. Yes. So how can I even make disciples? How yeah. could God ask me to do that? And maybe to take that a step further, people might say, how can, how can God hold me
0: responsible for something I can't control? If, if he's the one who makes a disciple, I can't do that. So how could God say, well, you're not bearing fruit. Yeah, and I'll chop you off because you can't. I can't control that outcome. Yeah, Jack. Yeah, I see what you mean. Is yeah. that right?
1: Yeah, I mean another place that that speaks to it is one Corinthians chapter three. Okay. Uh, so Paul's talking about uh, the the different people that the Corinthian church were influenced by. Uh, so some of them, you know, really loved Paul. Some of them were more Apollos people. Mm. He was another Christian leader. Mm-hmm. And Paul says in one Corinthians three verse. Uh, 6, he says, I planted, I, Paul, planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So Mm. neither the one who plants, nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Mm. And so that's one of the truths we've got to hold on to. It is God who brings forth gospel growth. He is the one who saves people. He's the one who makes disciples. When you take that together with things like the Great Commission, where Jesus says to us, go and make disciples, what you see there is the way that God brings forth growth is through his disciples who bear witness to yeah. him. Yes. So you could think of it. You know, if you think of it just in extremes, yes, you're gonna get it wrong either way. If you think, okay, it's just God gives the growth, therefore we don't have to do anything. Yes. I mean, that. I mean, even in the one Corinthians three yeah. language, like Paul still planted the seed, yeah. right? And Paul is did... still watering. They're still yeah. working. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The yeah. human agents have something that contributes to the process, even yes. if it is ultimately God who drives the growth. Yes. So don't assume that we have nothing to bring to the table. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. If you get the idea, oh, Jesus has said, go make disciples, therefore it's all on me. I've yes. got to, you know, I've got to live up to that command now. I've got to, I've got to forcibly make people convert, you know, like yes. yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there are dangers on both sides. And yes. theologically we talk about uh, this as the idea of compatibilism, which yep. is the truth that God's sovereignty and his rule over the world is compatible with the human responsibility of yeah. us as people working you know, God working through us, us working under God, but us still having a role to play. And mm. I think the farming analogy is helpful. Like mm. you can think of it as, you know, Paul's out there, he's he's sowing the seed, he's he's watering. You know, Paul is watering. Different people have different things they're doing. But, I mean, the farmer who just gets a bucket of seed, dumps it on the ground, walks away, yeah. could say, well, you know, God gives the growth, so I'm yeah, waiting yeah, for yeah, something yeah. to happen. But yes. I mean, you'd look at that farmer and say that's that's just poor farming technique, right? Yeah, and and, and theologically, we might call that. Kind of hyper Calvinism, right? Yeah. Just a t-
0: just a total trust in the sovereignty of God. Therefore, I don't need to do anything because God will do it all
1: anyway. Mm. I Just dump my bucket of seed and yeah. watch God go to go to work. That's right. Yeah, the hardworking farmer doesn't do that. He, you know, yeah. he's there. He's ploughing the soil. he's yeah. he's watering it. He's you know yes. checking acidity. He's you know putting yeah. up fences. You know, like yes. there's an ongoing. And you know, the farmer can't do it all. He doesn't control the weather, and he can't actually make the sprout happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: he, he, all he can do is put everything in place. that yeah. but God. God still, for the real farmer, gives the sprout of the tree yeah. that comes up. So it is sort of with the, uh, with the Christian yeah. farmer, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the disciple maker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
1: maybe to come back to the question, so are we mm. called to just tell the gospel, or are we called to make disciples? Like, mm. we're called to both. Mm. And it's important that we understand our responsibility in that. We are, mm. at the end of the day, we cannot convert people, so we keep praying, we keep mm. entrusting God to do the work. But we are called to, to see this thing happen. And God yes. promises that the gospel will go out and it will bear fruit. So that means we, we work hard at it. Yeah. We, we shouldn't just, you know, all right, I'll blurt out the gospel to people. You know, I'll, I'll walk down the streets with a megaphone, yeah. blur it to some people, and then let yes. God do his thing. Like, there is something to be said for how can we effectively yeah. uh, proclaim this gospel? How can we love people and have yes. an ongoing conversation with them? How can we reconsider the way we're doing things and whether they're maybe not that effective for the yeah. people who we are trying to share the gospel with? That's right. And, and it's interesting, there, there is my observation
0: um, is that among our tribe, there, we, we're a bit sceptical, a bit nervous of, of trying to be effective because mm. we, we worry that it's going to take us away from trusting the sovereignty of God. say, so if we do things well, perhaps, well, people might you know, get the wrong impression and think it's all about us. And there's a right concern there, I think, mm. that we... we, we absolutely want to uphold the sovereignty of God, and yet, biblically speaking, like I'm thinking of Acts 14.1, um, it says, at Iconium, so that's one of the places that the apostles get to on their, their mission trip, at Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. Synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. And that's issue. Yeah. The Bible actually doesn't take away from the fact that God saved those people in Iconium. Mm. But there was something about the manner of Paul and Barnabas in that in that preaching that was that was more effective than perhaps another way that you could do it that was less effective. Yeah. Um, now, that's empowered by the Spirit and, and mm. it's all, all glory be to God. And yet yeah. there is something to be said for thinking about how do I do this thing effectively rather than just dump my bucket of seed on the ground. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. So we, we don't want to fall in the other extreme of, of Arminianism, which is mm. it's all on me, but we don't want to... Yeah, we want to be in compatibilism. We, we yeah, find find that biblical middle ground. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's really helpful. Uh, let, let's um, let's move on. Um, verse twenty four. Um, Jesus makes this pretty um, interesting um, statement that a few, that a few people have been questioning here, um, where he says, "If I had done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin." And uh, the questions come in. Were they still guilty of sin beforehand? Um, how does this, for instance, work with Romans 1, which says that God is, is known through his creation and therefore we all have no excuse, we're all
1: guilty? Um, yeah, yeah, a great question as well. Uh, I didn't get the chance to dig into that particular verse very much, so good to have a chance to think about it now. First thing to say is Jesus can't be saying that if he had never come, people wouldn't be sinners, like, I don't think, I mean, you look at the broader testimony of the Bible, clearly people are sinners. Mm. Uh, they were sinners before Jesus came, they are sinners after he came. Yeah, uh, Jesus isn't saying that, you know, somehow him coming has incited people to sin who weren't guilty before. No, that's not it. Mm. What he's talking about is uh, this idea that those who have uh, more knowledge have a greater culpability, so Jesus is saying that uh, if he hadn't come, uh, maybe people would have kind of you know wouldn't have met the messiah wouldn't have seen God come in the flesh, wouldn't have seen what he can do, but the fact that they have seen that 's what he goes on to say end of verse twenty four as it is they have seen and yet they have hated both me and my father mm. and he goes on and says, "This is to fulfill what is written in their law, they hated me without reason yeah and that quote there at the end it 's a quote from psalm thirty five and that quote in itself is is kind of helpful for I think showing you the the particular focus that Jesus is talking about when he's talking about them being guilty of sin, mm. he, he seems to be talking particularly about a, a a particular kind of sin, and that is the the guilt that yes. God's people have because they have rejected the Messiah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you were looking at this a bit before, weren't you, Sam? Yeah. Um, yeah. In Psalm thirty-five, yep. They, you know, that comes from Psalm thirty-five verse nineteen. It talks about those who who hate me without reason, and this is David talking. David yeah, as as the Christ, the Messiah of of that time. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. yep. And you go on through the psalm and you can see that uh, he's, you know, David's facing these people who, who hate God, who, you know, who love to set themselves up against God's king. Mm. So somewhere like verse uh, 26, you know, may all... Well, David's talking about what he wants to see happen, really. May all who gloat over my distress be put to shame and confusion. May all who exalt themselves over me... Be clothed with shame and disgrace. These are people who are, you know, putting themselves over the Messiah, exalting yeah. themselves at His expense. Yes. And David's saying, "No, we want to see those who who delight in the the Messiah. They're the ones who yeah. uh, the Lord will exalt." Yep. So bring that back to Jesus. I think Jesus is saying, you know, the people in His day, they've met the new David, they've met the Messiah, and yep. they have wanted nothing to do with Him. They've yep. seen Jesus' works yep. uh, in G. I mean, in John, Jesus' His signs are really important. Like yes. at the end of. Um, John 20, the big kind of purpose statement of John's gospel, he says, you know, Jesus did lots of signs, but these are the ones that are written so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ. Yeah. So the signs are meant to point you to who he is. The Jewish people saw the signs, said, mm. we don't want you, Jesus, nailed him to a cross to die. So the fact that Jesus has come and people have responded to him like that shows their true colours, shows that they hate God. Yeah. That's the thing that shows that they are guilty and yeah. have no excuse.
0: Yeah. So, so I guess there one of the helpful kind of um, tips that you've just given us is that when, when you're reading a passage and you do come across something that you you're a little bit, it seems a little bit unclear, often look to see does it have any Old Testament kind of background. Mm. And in this case, Jesus is really explicit. He says, "This is to fulfil what was written about me in their law." That, that yeah. gives you a a clue as to how you to make sense of this passage. And you go down chase down Psalm thirty five, um, and and see what it's. Yeah. And in that case, yeah, now it's looking at a, a specific. Sort of fulfilment where where some thirty five um, sort of uh, prophetically says um, God's people will his Messiah will come and they will hate him yeah for that cause and Jesus is saying this is exactly what what we've seen yeah yeah
1: that's right and there is a I mean the the question mentioned Romans one as well there yes. is this kind of degree of culpability it seems yes so Romans one tells you you know God's uh, divine power and his glory have been known through creation. So mm-hmm. anyone in the world, you know, whether they've heard the name of Jesus or not, mm. creation has shown them enough so that they should call out to God and know that God is there as creator. Mm. And no one even does that. So people are guilty at that level. Yeah. But Jesus is saying to, to, to the Jewish people he came to, there's there's a far greater guilt because they don't just know that God exists. They've yes. had God's word. Yes. They've had God himself walk among them. Yeah. In Matthew chapter 11, which we had a look at at the end of last year, Jesus kind of talks about that in a slightly you know, a similar idea. Uh, he's saying, you know, he says, "Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! Uh, these cities he's been to, because mm. if the miracles that were performed in you, you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, yeah. which are two of the big sinful cities from the Old Testament, um, they would have repented long ago mm. in sackcloth and ashes. But it'll be far more bearable for them on Judgment Day than for you." Yeah. Jesus says, "Those places back then, you know, they were terrible. They faced the judgment of God, but they're going to have it easy compared to you, because now you've seen Jesus yeah. come." Yep. and you rejected him so the greater the revelation the
0: greater the culpability in the face of your rejection if you reject yep. God you're even more culpable and you've got more sin which sounds like what Jesus is talking about here mm. than if he hadn't come yeah I think that's it okay let's keep moving along um, verse 26 um, introduces the Holy Spirit into the the, the mix now yeah. the Holy Spirit's already been part of this discourse back in chapter 14 but mm. we've, we've been focused on 15 and here, here he gets spoken about again yeah Question says, can you clarify verse 26 about the Holy Spirit? As I read it, it seems the Holy Spirit bears witness to us, uh, Mm. deepening our trust and knowledge of God, not actually helping evangelism and physically giving me the words to say in a moment of evangelism.
1: Yeah, yeah, helpful question. Let's talk about it. So verse Mm. 26 says, When the Advocate comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So the Spirit testifies, and as the question asker has identified, I think this is, in the first instance, a testimony to the disciples. Yep. So you see that throughout John 13-17. to 17. Mm. One of the big roles of the Spirit is He comes as the, the helper, or the, the counselor, or the advocate. There's different translations for it, but it's this idea that the Spirit is the one who uh, will, will comfort and urge on the disciples, because yep. Jesus is going away. Yep. So the spirit's coming to, to help take them beyond yep. Jesus' departure. And you look down in chapter 16, verse 13. Uh, when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. Yep. Uh, he will uh, glorify me, because it's from me that He will receive what He will make known to you. So the yes. Spirit is speaking to the disciples. Yep. His testimony is primarily to them and in them. Yes. But that's not the only thing that the Spirit does, uh, mm. even in this part of John. So you go up a few verses higher in John chapter 16. Yes. John 16, verse 8. When He talking about Spirit. the advocate comes, yeah. he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Mm. The, the Spirit has this role convicting the world that, uh-huh. uh, that they are sinners, that they are in the wrong when it comes to Jesus. Yep. So the question I ask is, how does the Spirit do that? This this ministry that the Spirit has in the world, how yeah. does he convict the world? Yeah, so, he, so
0: so just at that point, you're saying he has both and he, he, he has a primary responsibility revelation work to the disciples reminding mm. them of what Jesus says but he also has a work of conviction in the world um, causing them to be guilty of yeah. these things um, righteousness sin and judgment yeah that's yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah and I take it the way that the spirit convicts the world is through the Word of God, that as as the Word of God is spoken in the world, the yep. Holy Spirit brings mm. that Word to bear on people's hearts and convicts them of mm. their sin and about righteousness and judgment. Because how else would you mm. know, you know, the person out in the street who just suddenly gets, oh, I've got a bad feeling that <laughs> doom is coming. I don't know, maybe in our present climate plenty of people have that kind of feeling yeah, at the moment sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. coronavirus and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, how do you know that's the specific word about Jesus? Like, mm. the way the Spirit convicts the world is when they hear the gospel. Yeah. And that means people need to speak the gospel. Yeah. And I think that's why you have in John 15 26 and 27 the spirit's testimony is linked to the disciples. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So verse 26, you know, the te- the, the spirit he will testify about me, and verse 27, you also must testify. Mm. So he says to his disciples the spirit's going to testify and you are going to testify too. And I I don't think he's just mm. saying those as two unrelated things, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. on the you know, by the way, on the topic of testimony, you guys are going to do it too. No. Yes. Those two verses are side-by-side side with the same word. Yes. To show you there's a link there. The way that the Spirit convicts the world is through yes. the testimony of disciples as they bear witness yes. to who Jesus is and what he's done in the Gospel. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that, that's really helpful. And I mean, that sort of um,
0: uh, captures up. I mean, Paul talks about something similar in um, 1 Corinthians 2 when, mm. when he's speaking about his ministry. Um, he says, um, this is what we speak to. This is 1 Corinthians 2 verse 13. He says, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, uh, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. Um, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. Um, so, so I think Paul there is saying the Spirit kind of plays in the whole the whole process. Um, for Paul, the Spirit takes, gives him... Things to say, yeah um, so, so he the spirit is testifying to Paul, but then Paul is testifying with the power of the spirit to others, and then the spirit is he, either helping someone understand or not mm. so so the whole thing the, the spirit plays a role in the whole transmission of the, uh, of yeah. the gospel from um, one to another, yeah yeah, exactly, yeah,
1: the question also talked about um, I mean I use the language on Sunday of the spirit gives us the words to say in the moment, and yeah that's not explicitly there in John. Fifteen, But that mm. does come out in other things that Jesus says about the Spirit. Yes. So in Matthew chapter 10, he's he talking to his disciples, sending them out on mission. Yep. Verse 19, but when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. Yeah. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father mm. speaking through you. Yep. So I was yeah bringing that more general truth about the Spirit yes. uh, into the discussion. But yeah. this is one of the ways that the Spirit equips us to testify. He, yeah. he actually gives us the words to say in the moment. Yeah.
0: So it's, it's actually a real um, sort of jolt of confidence for the Christian, isn't it? That, mm. that God's Spirit is at work in you and you don't need to worry because sometimes we can be very scared about our, our, yeah. our job of going out and that, it can be scary to go on and speak to someone about Jesus and yet it feels like what Jesus is saying here is take heart. The Spirit is, is there. He's gonna, He's going to give you He's going to remind you of everything Jesus said for yourself, but also he's going to speak mm-hmm. through you and give you what you need. So take heart, brother or sister, as you go and speak. You've you've got great confidence. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. All right, uh, let, let's see if we can move on. We've got three to go, and uh, yeah, let, let's see how we how we track here. Um, does the language of growing? Um, communicate that we are somehow in control of our own growth and that our growing is the means of our salvation rather than an outworking of our renewed hearts. That is, should we think of healthy things are characterized by love for the disconnected, etc., rather than healthy things grow in love for the disconnected?
1: Yeah, thank you for the question. There's a lot in there. Yeah. Um, we'll, we might take it kind of piece by piece. Yeah. So does the language of growing communicate that we are somehow in control of our own growth? Yes, I think so. And I think at some level we are. Um, mm. I mean, this chapter, John 15, it's full of imperatives. Jesus says, remain in me. Yes. He says, love one another. He says, keep my commands. He gives us things to do. Mm. And I think that we you can get the idea that, uh, you know, if it's just growth, and like we were saying before, 1 Corinthians 3, God gives the growth. Yes. So that's just the, you know, I'm passive in that. I just sit back and let God grow me as he will. Yeah. That's not the way that the Bible works. Yeah. I mean, the, Jesus gives us, he says, yeah, I'm with you and I'm empowering you and mm. all, all the growth is by grace, but he still says, do things. Yeah, Remain in me so that you can bear lots of fruit. Um, yeah. Obey my command so that you can bear lots of fruit. There, there, there seems
0: to be the command to, to us to do something is connected mm. to the result of growing in, in
1: some sense. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And then the question goes on then. Okay, so is that growing... Uh, is, is our growing the means of our salvation, rather than outworking of our renewed hearts? I mean, to that I would say no. Mm. Uh, and we talked about this a bit last week that we're not. Uh, we were talking about particularly about serving and ministry that you know we don't. So in order to be saved, yes. rather we are saved to serve. So yeah, it's not yes. the means of our salvation. You're not, you know, it's not like you must grow. Mm. That is the thing that's going to get you over the line and get you to heaven. That's mm. that's a distortion of the gospel as well. Yeah. Um, but it is a, an outworking of our renewed hearts. Yeah. But like I've been saying, the, the way that God grows us, you know, He gives us new birth, gives us the Holy Spirit, yeah. uh, gives us that, that renewed heart. And then He says to that renewed heart, remain in Christ, keep my commands, yeah. love one another. The, yeah. the the work of God is not uh, independent of our effort, if mm. you like. And that is, I mean, that is again, it goes back to compatibilism. It's like the same what I think, thing, isn't that? it? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, And it's hard because we, you know, we we want to just we want it to be simple. We'd love to just have a really, you know, simple. Either God does it all, or it's completely on me. Yes, that would be, you know. Uh, maybe logically easier to get our heads around, yeah. but it's just not the the picture the Bible gives us. Yeah, so and, and
0: is it fair to say that sometimes, and we need to we need to um, check ourselves as we as we hear God's word. At point, sometimes when we hear a, a, a kind of an exhortation that says you need to take responsibility, you need to grow, we get sometimes if we're on that I love the sovereignty of God sort of pole, mm. we say, oh, whoa, 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 hang on a minute, are you saying that I that God doesn't do it all, and are you challenging the sovereignty? No. But other people on the other end of things who are all about maybe down the Armenian end of I've got the responsibility and I can control all Mm. the outcomes, um, they are hearing, yeah, great, excellent, I'll take charge and I'll do it all. No. um, Biblical is uh, Mm. is you you're not finally responsible for the outcomes, but you do influence them. You, yeah. you, um, God is in control, but he gives you a responsibility. And, mm. and those two things must be held in tension because that's what the Bible
1: does. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I mean, to those who um, love John Calvin as well, it's what Calvin says as well. That's I right. Mean, yeah, yeah. I think that Calvin expressed it really well. He famously said, um, uh, faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is never alone. Mm. So you are justified by, his, by faith through grace. It's, it's not of your own doing. It's not by works. God alone saves; He's sovereign over that. Yeah. But that faith that that saves us is is something that is accompanied by growth and by mm. growth in godliness and by yes. working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's yeah. it's not a you know faith without works is dead. Yeah. That's the that's the James. That's the biblical way. And, and, of and it seems practice. to be
0: yeah. I mean, you you just take that line through through the scriptures. Um, I mean, one Peter talks about being refined. It's this idea of progress. So it's, you, you are saved by grace, but then. That the ongoing Christian life is of refinement, or, or 2 Corinthians speaks about growing um, from glory to glory, you know, ever mm. increasing glory. Um, there's a transforming work that goes on that we should be striving and hungering for, and yeah. it's, it's right to want that while knowing that it's God who works that in us. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's this both end thing. We, we mustn't get stuck on the poles. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's let's keep moving along here. Um, comment, texted in, uh, or, or sent in. Um, I think there is more in there than just evangelism. Uh, verse twenty-two to twenty-five is pretty confusing and wasn't really spoken about. Also, the series is called Healthy Things Grow, but I think you might be focusing too much on the practical outworkings of this, and you could benefit from more head and heart knowledge.
1: Yeah, thank you for the comment. Uh, I'm, I'm taking it. The question is talking particularly about this latter section of John. 15 that we looked at on Sunday. So from verse 18 on, mm. and I agree, there is plenty more in there than just mm. evangelism, and and I hope that I managed to touched on a few of those things. So mm. it talks about the hatred of the world for Jesus' disciples because yeah. it hates him. and We thought a bit about yeah how we experience that opposition and, and what what that means. I mean, there's that stuff that we we talked about at the start of this episode in verse 22 to 24, which yeah I didn't get to on Sunday night, mm. but this idea that you know Jesus has come, they what so that they. You know, they have no excuse. They wouldn't yeah. have had guilt, but now they do, you know. Yeah, so you rewind
0: and listen to that bit again on verse 24. Yeah, exactly, episode. yeah.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, practical outworkings versus head and heart knowledge. Yeah, I mean, this is something that's really important for us to, to think about as well. Um, is, yeah, we, we, we often think that there's a, a, you know, a dichotomy, like a, a divide between theology and and. and uh, knowledge uh, yeah head and heart you know the kind of the big truths mm. we think that that's somehow separate from from practice from from love from mm. uh, from the you know the application side of things that that we often uh, get to as well yeah i mean to to divide those things and pit them against each other i think goes against the way the bible wants us to think as well mm. i mean in john 15 both are here right like we have this uh, this this great theological picture of union with christ that we're branches connected to the vine but We're in him, we're in his love. You have these these great head and heart things. Mm. And then you have practice. He says, So go and love one another. You know, keep my commands. Go out and and lay your lives down for each other. Uh, Mm. They're both there and you can't separate them. Um, We, in this series, we've tried to major perhaps a little more on the practical side. Mm. And that's really an emphasis thing. Um, One of the challenges as we, you know, preach week by week at church is you can't say everything. And that's something that I feel. Uh, particularly in this series more than any other I think and those of you who have heard me preach you'll know I'm often getting to points on outlines and saying yeah we haven't got time for this and we'll yeah. you know, cover this later that kind of thing that there's so much to say um, you've got the discipline I just say it anyway <laughs> <laughs> It <just, it's> actually <laughs> you know? yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. is good because I get to set it all up and, <laughs> and talk to you midweek what yeah. I didn't get to say anyway um, yeah yeah. We, yeah. In this series we have deliberately tried to really go hard on practice. Perhaps yeah. because it is often something that we neglect. Yeah. I think in our church in our tradition where we are bigger on the, the yeah. head and heart stuff. Yeah. And the chance to actually really think deeply. All right. Jesus says, go out bear fruit, make disciples. Yeah. But what does that actually look like? You know, yeah. we can't just it's not enough to just say, you know, do that and then mm. assume that we all will all just figure out how to do it on our own like we want to think about that together and yeah and i'm trying to give us you know examples and trying to give us specifics you know what is this going to look like on monday morning yeah that practical step is crucial mm. because being a christian doesn't end with just hearing the word and listening to it you know james says if you hear the word do what it says yeah you know if you don't you deceive yourself yeah. you just listen yeah. yeah so practice matters yeah and i think
0: probably for us as preachers um I, I, we don't always get this right, and yeah. um, we, we're we're not perfect. We're not the best preachers going around. We're 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 all right, but we're not. You know, we're not perfect. Um, and the, the trick is, well, is we we're, we're, our goal is to pastor a flock, a, a, a group of people with the word. And what what you will inevitably find when you when you read your connect cards on a on a Sunday morning, uh, sorry Monday morning after after the fact, um, one person will say, "Man, that was a bit heavy theologically tonight." You know, you you know. You know, slow down, Einstein, and then some. <laughs> someone else will sort of say, "Oh, where, you know, um, where's the, you know, where's the practice in this? it, it was, you know, there's not enough of that." And someone else will say, um, "Too much practice and not enough theology." And yeah. um, personal preference in this does does play a role in how we hear stuff. And so we also mm-hmm. got to check ourselves as listeners to to the word that we're not just we're not just being driven by personal preference, yeah. um, but also recognise that for each one of us, we will have a We'll have, we will have a lean one way or the other. We might prefer what we might, Some of us really prefer the practical nitty gritty stuff and others mm-hmm. really prefer the theology thinking side, but actually a healthy Christian needs both end. Yeah. And, and we our goal is to do our best. And sometimes for this series, this is much more of a practical kind of um, topical series really, that yeah. rather than an exegetical series through John 15, although we're using John 15, mm. um, Whereas we're about to dive into 2 Peter and then we're going to do Genesis and Romans, they're much more the exegetical type of talk where yeah. we'll major on, on the ins and outs of the text and then work out how that applies. And so, you know, we're trying to work a balance and, and we try trying to think about the diet of the whole year of teaching rather than just any one week within it. But good to hear some some feedback and yeah. someone's feeling the one way or the other and uh, we, we don't know who that is. Um, mm. But it's yeah, good Good for us just to think well and uh, make sure that we ourselves as listeners are, are not just listening to our preference but thinking holistically and we as the preachers will keep trying to do our best to make sure we get the balance right. So, appreciate your feedback. Yeah, yeah. helpful. Thank you. Alright, last one. Um, If we are considering the possibility that we are being called into vocational ministry, how should we seek to discern God's will in this area? This is one of the things you talked about on Sunday.
1: Yeah, and I'm really glad that someone's asking this question because Mm. I'm keen for all of us to consider that possibility that we might be called into that vocational, full-time, paid, give-up-your-day-job, that kind of ministry. Yep. Yep. I mean one thing to say is big picture God's will in this area in a general sense is that we would go and make disciples, that we would keep raising up more gospel workers. That yes, yes, you know, yes. the harvest is plentiful, yep. workers are few. To so one level God's will in this area is let's yeah. send people. Yeah, sure. But yeah. then the question comes, okay, what's God's will particularly and individually for me yes. in this area? And that's always a hard question to answer. I mean, not just in this ministry question, in in, in the whole of life. Mm. I mean, if you sit down and say, What is God's will for my life this week? Mm. Often that's a pretty difficult question to answer because it can become this almost like this crystal ball gazing thing Mm -hmm. where you're trying to you know waiting for a specific sign or some sort of specific word whispered in your ear yeah most of the time in life that's not how god helps us to make decisions yeah uh so if that's not it then then what does it mean to to seek god's will in this area i think part of it is uh, uh realizing the the big picture things like like we were saying last night you know judgment is real people need to hear the gospel mm. uh the gospel is great we we want to take this wonderful good news to people and part of uh i think uh, seeking god's uh well discerning here is thing. you know when you hear those kinds of truths what does that do for you if if you listen to the, the call for for gospel works to go out and you you feel convicted and compelled and think yeah the love of christ compels me i you know i'm man, people need to hear his message, I'd love to take it to them. Mm. If, you, if your affections are started to you know, be stirred by that kind of thing, mm. I think that's a, a sign that perhaps God is driving you particularly to consider this question more. Mm. Uh, from that point, it's not a question that you have to or even should work out on your own as well. Mm. Part of the, the way that uh, gospel ministry and ministers seems to work in the New Testament is it's something that the church works out together. So in Ephesians 4, uh, you know, pastors and teachers are the, the gift that Christ has given to his church. They're not people who just decided on their own that, all right, this is what I want to do. I'm just going to go and, and do it because I feel like it. Mm. There's, a, there's a there's a work of God in, in putting people where God wants them to happen. And we as the church have a a role to play in, in helping that happen. Mm. Um, it can be quite dangerous for someone to just say, all right, you know, I'm, I'm convicted. I'm going to go and be a missionary. I'm just going to do whatever anyone else says. Mm. That can be quite a dangerous thing because uh, it may be that, you have the, the zeal and the passion and the gospel conviction but that's not the only thing that it takes to be uh, someone who is uh, called particularly to vocational ministry and uh, I mean there's all sorts of other things there's there's gifting you know there's mm. there's just the capacity that you have there's the life situation that you're in mm. and talking to uh, talking to your church is really the best thing to do mm. to start working those things out yeah, yeah. If you're fi- sorry yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, I mean if you're feeling that you want to consider this further one of the best things you can do is come and talk to one of the pastors, uh, mm. come and start a conversation with us. We, you know, if you come and talk to me and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'd love to think about whether I should be in vocational ministry, I think that's one of the most exciting conversations mm. yeah. I could have. So I'd love to have that chat with you. Come and come and talk to us. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean,
0: um, I had a chat with someone on Monday to this, to this very end, and it was, it was super encouraging. And um, yeah, I, I reckon it's great. Um, I think it, it, it's interesting looking at the question. The language of the question does talk about... Um, how do we discern that, that we're, whether we're being called into vocational ministry? And mm. um, I think that's, a, that's a, a little term that might get different people reacting in different ways, depending on how, how you think about that. Um, yeah, it is interesting that the language of call um, sometimes we just mean like that I'm supposed to do it. Um, sometimes though, people have that they're thinking of I'm waiting for like a, a special moment of God sort of giving me a, an audible call into ministry, which God is powerful to do, but often. It's certainly not. It's just not really the language of the New Testament. Generally, mm. the way call functions in the New Testament is you're called to Christ. You're called to, to be a disciple. You know, repent and believe. That's the call. Um, God does sovereignly put people in churches. He's, he's, mm. As we've been talking about today, He's, he's sovereign over all um, and gives people to the church. But uh, yeah, I think if you're waiting for a call, don't just sort of wait for that special feeling and go, ah, oh, I should go. Um, like, like you said, mm. um, speak with people. Um, 1 Timothy 3 when it talks about um, and Titus 1 when they talk about um, appointing overseers in the church one of the key things is that they, the person must be tested first and yeah. then given so talk with those who are already the leaders of the church and part of the way that, that God's church works is that you don't just send yourself um, you, you, um, those who are leaders in the church will, will help you or might you know give you some responsibility test, give you a, a, a place to operate to under some oversight before going out to, to you know into into the harvest field um, which is why something like mts is so great yeah um, and uh because it's a it's a safe place to to be tested uh, to have a go get some feedback get some help make your mistakes in a safe environment yeah uh, before you go out and um and, and i and i love that we have a, a long history of mts here i love that we have um a bunch of mts's at the moment who are, who are legends and mm. we've got a whole bunch of people who are actively considering that at the moment and that's that's great.
1: Yeah. So some practical steps maybe. Uh we'll be talking about MTS a lot, not this coming Sunday but the Sunday after. On the 15th? March the fifteenth is yeah. our MTS Sunday. Yep. So uh, listen well then, hear from our current mts is what it's like and, you know, you might have a chance to chat with yeah. them and, and ask them. And after
0: Night Church, I believe, if you're from Night Church, um, we're gonna have like something in the service but then afterwards we're gonna have like a special supper to come and if you're someone who's thinking this through, should I, shouldn't I
1: We're going to have a special supper to talk and think a bit deeper about pathway for you that's right yeah so you'd be welcome to come then there's a couple of conferences that'd be helpful to think about as well so yeah um on may 16th this year which is saturday afternoon yep. there's something happening so yeah i'm you... gonna i'm
0: gonna be heading along to more colleges costs 10 bucks and you get to hear don carson like the don um legend legend uh uh he's gonna be speaking on on um that whole idea from from uh you know the the workers are few but the harvest is plentiful and mm. uh it's. I reckon it's gonna be a great afternoon. I want to take as many people with me as I possibly can. So if you're listening and you're thinking that sounds all right, I want to go with Sam. I will. I will pay your ten bucks to get you there. It's that good. Um, oh gosh, I shouldn't say that. Should I, uh, I <laughs> might I, to open. I, I might pay your ten bucks and get you there. Um, um, and uh, depending on your circumstances. Um, but uh, I'd love you to come with me and, um, and then uh, later in the year
1: yeah and then on the October long weekend this year as yep. always uh, we're at the, the MTS mission minded conference will be yeah. happening so this is a chance to get away for a whole weekend mm-hmm. think about the big picture of God's mission in the world and have conversations with other people who are asking the same kinds of questions talk yep. to pastors and gospel workers who might be able to help you work through some of the decisions you're making so that's yep. October 2-5 to 5. Yep. I'll be heading along to that and would love you to come along with me as well awesome. Okay,
0: Jack, we're out of time. Uh, we're out of questions. So that's a good place to, to pull up stumps for this afternoon. Good. And uh, yeah, thank you for all your work. Uh, this coming Sunday, very quickly, where are we
1: going? So this Sunday, we're really trying to bring all this together and think about particularly how do we grow together? Mm. All that we've heard, we've heard so far, you could take it very individualistically, yep. but these are words that Jesus gives to his disciples as a whole, Yes. as sir. one body, as one group, as, as a church, how oh, are we called yeah. to love each other? and spur each other on to grow. Yeah, cool.
0: Looking forward to it. All right, we'll see you at church on Sunday. Have a great week. See you then.